0: Tonight's Bible reading comes from John, chapter 14, page 927, beginning at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Alison. Thank you. Thank you, Alison. Thank you, Alison. Uh, My name's Ed, and I'm the congregational pastor here. And it's great to be going through our series in John's Gospel with you. We've called the series "We Have Seen His Glory." And today, once again, we're going to peek through the eyes of the disciple John and we're going to behold the glory of Jesus. So, you get that phone call. It's the dreaded call from the doctor that says that today is that loved one's last day. You rush into hospital. You hold their now cooling hand. Think about how much you're going to miss that physical touch. You look into their eyes, and though weary, you still see in them that those eyes that have loved you so much, that have looked upon you and shared so many moments with you. You brush back the hair from their forehead and go to give them a kiss, and and their, their smell just fills your whole body one last time. They open their mouth to speak, and you think how much you're going to miss their calming, comforting voice. Have you ever been there with someone you love? What if they were then to say, if you love me, you would say to them, I will do anything. I'll I'll spend the the rest of my life trying to fulfill whatever comes out of this loved one's mouth right now. And that's exactly where Jesus' disciples find themselves. In this last meal, With the man they had left everything to follow. The hands that had broken bread for them. The eyes that had pierced through them, seemingly seeing into their own hearts. The the presence that that felt like you were in the presence of God Almighty. And the mouth that had guided and instructed them in the oracles of God. All that was about to be gone. And Jesus said these words, I imagine him saying it slowly and pointedly, if you love me. And the disciples must have thought, I'll do anything, anything, Jesus. We will lay down our lives. We will storm Jerusalem. We will will go to our death for you. What did Jesus say? John 14, verse 15. love you to look with me. If you love me, keep my commands. Really, Jesus? Come on, don't you want us to do something great? Something heroic? Something something memorable? But you see, the thing that God wants from you and I is that he he wants us to love him. And true love is not heroics because anyone can be heroic for a moment. Anyone can do a great act of love in a day True love is moment by moment, day by day, week by week, year by year, commitment to the good of the other. True love is walking in Jesus' commands. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. If that's the love that Jesus wants from you and me, well, then we need a lot of help. If you're anything like me, you're going to need a lot of help. And the great news of tonight, the great news we're exploring this evening, is that help is on the way. The Holy Spirit, this is the big idea for tonight, the Holy Spirit is here to help us love Jesus. We have in front of us some of the Bible's clearest and most concise teaching on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we've got the next 20 or so minutes to explore who Jesus teaches us the Holy Spirit is, and I'm going to think about four ways that he has come to help us. So let's start with thinking, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, this bunch of disciples had left everything they had uh, to follow Jesus. These last three years, they had been captivated by his teaching, his healing, his compassion, his clarity and wisdom on the scriptures, his call on their lives. But now he told them that he's leaving. So what did he have to offer them? Have a look with me, Bible's open, chapter 14, verse 16, he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The word another is very important there. Jesus says, it's okay, someone else is coming. Someone else is going to continue on the things that I have been doing. This great kingdom work that you've been caught up in will carry on through another. Jesus names him. Verse 17, he is the spirit of truth. Or again down in verse 26, the advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things. So the first thing to say about the Holy Spirit is he is a person. Just like Jesus, he is a person come from God. And just like Jesus, he has and will reveal himself to be God with us. He's not a force, not a power, not a way of being. He is a person. And like Jesus, he is a he and not an it. Now, I know that our linguistics slips us up a lot because we haven't had tonight the Steph Judd leading us as our MC. We won't just read the Bible by the Allison Wally, but we do speak of the Holy Spirit. And so it is easy, isn't it, to pray that it would be here with us tonight. But he is a person. So sometimes it's linguistics, but sometimes it's our theology. Sometimes we pray prayers like, God, please send a fullness of the measure of your Spirit, and may we have more and more of Him. He is not divisible. He can't come to you in measures. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have all of Him. He is a person. He is a person like Jesus who wants to come to you. But unlike Jesus, he is not an embodied person, enabling him to be in different places all at the same time. So that means that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit just as I can at the same time. This is good news uh, that Jesus is seeking to share with his disciples. Verse 18, he says to them, "Don't don't be alarmed. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus is saying, He's coming, though He's leaving. He will come in a special, unique way. He goes on to explore the idea further and says, more than just having me with you. Verse twenty, uh, sorry, no, verse yes, on verse twenty. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Karen, is my microphone working? Or okay, great. Now, I was not very good at mathematics problems in, in high school, particularly the word problems used to stump me, so i try and write them down. So I've written down the equation of verse 20 here for you on the screen. This is how I think it works. Jesus is saying, he is in the Father. Then he says, you and I are in Jesus, who also includes the Father. Therefore, in some wonderful mystical way, Jesus and the Father are coming to make their home in us. How remarkable that the God of the universe will come and reside in you and me. What a privilege. What an honor that you can have God in you. God wants to make his home in you. Well, what exactly does he want to come and do in us? Well, to work that out, we need to explore a word that we've brushed over twice before, and that is the word advocate. Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will come to us as an advocate. The literal word Jesus used when speaking to his disciples was the Greek word paraclete. You might have heard that word in your Christian life. Uh, It's a word that Bible translators have had a few goes at translating. Here's some of the different words they've used to translate the word paraclete. They've said that the Holy Spirit is... A helper, the Paraclete is a helper, a comforter, an intercessor, a counsellor. The literal meaning is one who draws alongside to offer help. It was often used of, of legal advocates who would come alongside, uh, uh, come alongside their their client to offer strong help, strong direction. Now often. Uh, Often in churches we hear the analogy of the Holy Spirit being like a tugboat that comes alongside a big cruise liner or a tanker and by its strength it either pulls or pushes from behind or barges the big ship to direct it safely in and out of the harbour. Now I like the analogy because absolutely the Holy Spirit is here using his strength to guide us towards our heavenly rest. But the only problem I have is that the dynamics are, are all out because the big one there is the big ship that's getting guided. And we, are, we are far inferior to the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells in us. I like to think of ourselves more like the little one-year-old toddler learning to walk who has as their helper a loving mother who comes alongside them. You've seen those little one-year-olds. They sort of stumble all over the place from one danger to a next, and that's the story of my life. I don't know about yours, but, but they sort of walk towards sharp corners, and then they walk towards dangerous roads. And the Holy Spirit is like that loving mother who guides and directs their child in, in, the, in the safe way to walk. But sometimes, because he loves you and he wants you to grow up, sometimes he'll let you walk towards sharp places to, or, or, or hot things to realize that hot things burn. Sometimes he'll let you touch sharp things to realize that sharp things cut. Sometimes he'll let you taste sin to see that sin stings. Sin hurts and it cuts. And then like a loving mother, he says, have you learned your lesson now? Do you understand that that is not good for you? Walk in this way. Well, sometimes like that loving mother, he just whips us up, and carries us to safety, because that's sometimes all that we need. So the Holy Spirit is our helper, here to help us, here to guide us into life, life to the full, walking with Jesus. So let's start thinking about how the Holy Spirit is here to help us. I've got four ways for us this evening. The first is that the Holy Spirit helps us remember Jesus' teaching. This section of John's Gospel that we're reading tonight is the longest recording of Jesus' teaching in the whole of the Bible, from chapter 13 right through to chapter 17. We've spent two weeks prior, we'll spend three more weeks thinking about this one section of Jesus' words spoken to his disciples. And it was all spoken the night before he died, the night before the greatest trauma of all of these people's lives. Does it ever get you asking, how do they remember it all? Was Peter there saying to John, John, you've got a pen, get this down, this is good stuff. There was no one recording it on social media, you know, uploading, Jesus dropped the mic tonight, guys, check this out. How do they remember? Jesus gave them a hint. Uh, verse 26, he says, but the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Friends, the reason I trust that you have the words that Jesus, that came off Jesus' lips on that final night, sitting in your lap right now, is because the Holy Spirit was there to help John. Help John recall those words. The Holy Spirit was also there helping the disciples ratify and testify that, yes, these were the words that Jesus spoke. The Holy Spirit was also there amongst the early Christians, transcribing these words down so that accurately, so more people could hear the good words that Jesus spoke. The same Holy Spirit was there in 367 AD when Athanasius wrote his Easter letter declaring which letters of the New Testament were the canon of Scripture, recognizing that across the churches everywhere, we have all received that these are the words that Jesus spoke. The same Holy Spirit was there throughout the ages, helping as one generation from the next pass these scriptures onto us. That same Holy Spirit is at work in the, the translation committees that take the Koine Greek, the ancient Greek, and translate it into the English that is now sitting on your lap. Friends, the reason you can trust that you have the words of Jesus on your lap Is because the same Holy Spirit who spoke these words through Jesus, the same Holy Spirit has worked from generation to generation to bring you these words, to remind you of Jesus' truth, his teaching. So firstly, the Holy Spirit helps us to remember Jesus' teaching. Secondly, he helps us to obey Jesus' commands. Jesus couldn't have been clearer, could he? Verse 16 of chapter 14. Uh, 15, sorry. If you love me, keep my commands. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Do you know about the five love languages book? Gary Chapman, 20 million copies sold. It's about how you give and receive love. And so people say to you, I'm an acts of service kind of person or I'm a gifts person. I'm a words of affirmation person. I'm a physical touch person, a quality time person. Well, Jesus' love language is commandment keeping. It's not particularly sexy. It's not particularly romantic. But that is because Jesus is not your lover. Jesus is your Lord. And so it is right for him to command you in the ways that you should live. It's how we express that we trust that he is a king that we should follow his words, that his teachings are good, and we should trust them and walk in them. Friends, if you want to show Jesus that you love him, show it by keeping his commands. As is always the case with Jesus, nothing he asks you to do is something that he himself hasn't done first. So Jesus showed his love for God, his Father, through perfect obedience. He showed it through obedience even to death, even to death on a cross. There's an obscure little phrase in the book of Hebrews that gives us a really powerful insight into how it was that Jesus lived his life of perfect obedience. See if you can pick it up as I read these words to us. It says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Did you pick it up? That third clause there, Christ, through the eternal Holy Spirit, offered himself unblemished, spotless, perfect obedience to God so that he could cleanse our consciences, cleanse our hearts and bring us back to the Father. Friends, it was the Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus to offer his life, all of his life, including and especially his death on the cross, to his Father. That Spirit that lived in Jesus now lives in you. The same Spirit that helped him do that is the Spirit who is in you. So I want us to reflect on three ways that the cross of Jesus Christ teaches us what obedience is like. Firstly, uh, Obedience can be lonely and is often ridiculed. As Jesus walked his path of obedience to the cross, he was abandoned by his closest friends. He was mocked, spat on, beaten up, uh, ridiculed for his obedience, especially by the religious. I find that the self-righteous are most put out by obedience to Jesus. So I know of a senior minister who today told his church that he is being obedient to Jesus command to go to the ends of the earth and and teach in, in a gospel poorer part of the world. And I can imagine that that minister is going to get lots of snide and cutting remarks over the next little while. As he walks in obedience to Jesus commands. Sometimes it's going to hurt others. Sometimes others are going to going to come in and leave you alone or, or cut in and and belittle your obedience. Secondly, obedience can be really, really painful. For those who haven't watched The Passion of the Christ, let me save you two hours and seven minutes of excruciating pain and torment, basically showing that the cross was incredibly painful. So I have watched Christians be obedient to Jesus and leave relationships that they have worked out Uh, sexually or spiritually inappropriate. And it hurts. So painful. I've watched Christians lose friends or lose prospects in their work because of their obedience to Jesus. And it stings. It it cuts. it, It hurts. It eats at us at the core. Thirdly, obedience often looks like defeat before it ends up being victory. Never has a man looked more beaten than Jesus Christ on a cross with a crown of thorns in his head, arms and feet nailed to a Roman cross left in his underwear to die. But Jesus gave us a clue that what was happening, though looking like defeat, would not ultimately end in defeat but would be a victory. He gave us a hint in verse 30. Have a look with me. Verse 30, Jesus said, I've not much more to say to you. For the prince of this world, that is the devil, he is coming. And he's going to throw his absolute worst at me. But I want you to know, friends, he has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what the Father has commanded me to do. Friends, Satan's worst brought out God's best. As Jesus went to that cross... He showed his perfect obedience to his Father. In his death, he broke the power of the prince of this world. The prince of this world, the devil, has lost his power over you and I and anyone who trusts in Jesus' death. You see, often it will look foolish or feel foolish as you obey Jesus' commands. But ask any older Christian. Jesus always comes through. He always comes through and it will always result in your good. Possibly not in this lifetime. Possibly in the life to come. And Jesus' resurrection showed that, didn't it? But you can bank yourself on Jesus. If you want to be on the right side of history, obey Jesus Christ and he will come through. So the Holy Spirit, he helps us remember Jesus' teaching. He helps us obey Jesus' commands. And thirdly, he helps us experience Jesus' presence. Now, you and I, we've been speaking tonight, haven't we, how if you have the Holy Spirit, you have all of him. He is as present in the life of, a, of anyone who confesses Jesus Christ. But why is it that some people just seem to have more of him than you and me? Why, why is it that some people seem to have God hanging out there in their lives more than, than you and I? Well, Your senior minister, Paul, and I, we were in a state of hurt on Monday, a real dark place as we dealt with a difficult pastoral matter. So we decided to go for a walk at Balmoral, and we needed God's help. So we prayed to him, and we asked, God, give us some wisdom. Help us to know what to do, how to move forward in this. About literally 30 seconds later, we look up, and we bump into Peter and his wife, Linda, from our 10 a.m. congregation. And it was as if God jumped into Peter's body and spoke words through his mouth. Just what we needed to hear. And I told our dear Alison Wally this the other night and she said, you can't help but envy those people, can you? The ones who it just seems like God just gives them a word at the right time for the right person. It got me thinking about Peter. Well, by his own admission, Peter lived a very disobedient life, a very messy life until he became a Christian. 20 years ago, he became a Christian and he has been fiercely obedient to Jesus, his Lord. Leaving behind at great cost relationships that he shouldn't have had and, and difficult decisions, and difficult friendships, he has been fiercely obedient. I asked him uh, about how he goes in his quiet times, his, his times with the Lord. He said, oh, you mean Bible reading and prayer? I said, yeah, yeah. How do you go with Bible reading and prayer? Oh, yeah, I, I love it. Every day, one hour in the morning. Bible reading, prayer, every day, couldn't live without it, don't know how anyone would live without it. How could you live with one hour without one hour of Bible reading and prayer every single day of your life? It's like, oh, there's a reason why God seems more present in some people's lives than others, isn't there? Friends, what Jesus is talking about here is not conditional experience of the presence of God, but rather if you want God to be powerfully moving in you, You have the Holy Spirit. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? And that's what the New Testament will go on to explore, the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if if you believe in Jesus, He's in you. But have you opened up every part of your life, every part of your heart to Him and said, Holy Spirit, come on in. Have your way. Let me experience you in my life. Now, I do speak to a number of Christians who, who say to me that, God feels distant. And it's not always the case, but it is important to ask if God feels distant, who's moved? Because if obedience, lead, if love leads to obedience, and obedience leads to an enjoyment, experience of the presence of God, then disobedience will always lead to distance. It will lead to distance from picking up your Bible distance from feeling you can approach God in prayer distance from other believers you'll come and you'll say i feel judged do you feel judged or, or is it your own conviction of your heart disobedience will lead to distance but god god gives you an invitation each and every day turn around start walking in obedience and, and you'll have that joy restored in your heart you will have peace once more and that's our final point the Holy Spirit helps us to enjoy the peace of Jesus. So the most peaceful people I know, they're not old people because peace is not a result of time. They're not people who, who've led easy lives because peace isn't a result of comfort. They're not people who uh, have escaped the worries of this life by withdrawing. Because God intends us to have peace, not apart from life, but in the messiness of life. Friends, the most peaceful people I know are those who year upon year upon year have walked obedient lives with Jesus and and that obedience, it adds up and that peace starts to build up in them and overflow in them to the lives of others around them, to their friends, to their spouses, to their children, to, to others in their lives. Friends, peace is not a state of mind. Peace is not a way of being. Uh, Peace is a person. Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he wants to come and live in your heart and you can be filled with that wonderful peace of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to finish with an application for you and I. Everyone can do this as we come out of this message that God has spoken to us today. And that is, I want you to commit to an act of personal, private obedience to Jesus. Loving, personal, private obedience. Something that you don't tell anyone else about, but it's your, it's your way of showing your love for Jesus. So I'll tell you about an old one for me. When I, used to ride, when I first started working here at this church, I used to ride my bike to church. And there was this uh, little bike crossing, this tiny little road just from here to there, not far at all. But it had a red bike light that took forever to go green. I said to myself, it would be wrong for me to break the law as I go in and serve God. But everyone else looked at this little red light and thought, what's this guy doing? It's so easy. They just walked across and all the bike riders would go past. It was such a public intersection. I felt like such a fool sitting there. And it would go on and on, but it gave me time to say the words of that old Negro spiritual song to myself. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The cross before me, the world behind me, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. I don't know what it's going to be for you. It might be a commitment to not judge, not gossip. And you'll find yourself maybe left out of conversation with all the friends around the dinner table but you'll be powerfully present and at peace with your Lord Jesus. It might be a commitment not to get drunk, but instead to be filled with the Spirit of God. And you might find yourself getting cut out of rounds of drinks and big boozy dinner parties, but powerfully enjoying the peace of the Spirit of God in your life. It might be a commitment to obey God in your work, and you will find yourself disadvantaged because of your obedience but wonderfully enjoying the power and presence of Jesus in your life. Friends, the meal was coming to an end of Jesus and his disciples. He was leaving, but he promised another helper to continue the work. It was better for us that he left, and now more of him can come and dwell in us. We can all have Jesus with us through the person of the Holy Spirit. He is here to help you, here to help you love love. Jesus with all your heart, to love him by remembering his teachings, by obeying his commands, by experiencing his presence and enjoying his peace. Friends, all that is yours in the person of the Holy Spirit. If you're anything like me, a word on obedience reminds you that you fail time and time again. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit helps us is by confessing our disobedience. By saying sorry for our wrong and turning and choosing to do right. And so that's the way we're going to finish tonight in in a word of personal and also public confession. Um, You're not going to have to air your dirty laundry in front of us. We're going to say a confession together. So I'm going to give you a moment to pause and confess privately to God. And then we're going to say these words of this confession together. Let's confess together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you are merciful and kind, but we have gone our own way, not loving you as we ought. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, and in what we have failed to do. We deserve your condemnation. Father, forgive us. Help us to love you and our neighbour. And to live for your honour and glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear once more these words from Hebrews. Jesus Christ, through the eternal spirit, offered himself unblemished, perfectly obedient to God his Father, to cleanse your consciences, to cleanse your heart, to wash you and make you clean. You are forgiven. You have confessed your sins. You are forgiven to walk in obedience the rest of this day. Friends, Please stand as we rejoice in God's love in song.